Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethompson.com. You know, I wonder what our lives would look like if we truly had to give up our earthly parent, if we had to give up our wealth, if we had to give up our our own life, our own joy. I mean, you think about Persecuted, the series we started last week on this in light of everything going on in the world. And you saw again probably yesterday if you watched the news that yet another person has been beheaded uh, at the hand of ISIS. And you heard uh, politically last week also that this is not a, a war with Islam. This is, not a polit- this is not a religious war. I want to submit to you this morning it's absolutely what it is. In fact, it has to be. If you look into the founding fathers and their intent... As we come into this great nation and they lay the foundation for what we will be and what we'll become, it was all laid on the premise of the person of Jesus Christ. Most of our founding fathers were were ordained uh, ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many of them, uh, you see them being preachers. You see many of them being deacons in their churches. I mean, there was literally maybe two or three out of every one of those guys that were maybe an agnostic. But in the history books, all we see is that these men were atheists and they were anti-Christ and they were anti-church. Completely, completely not true and not accurate. In fact, several uh, weeks ago, I began to look at what's going on in the world in the context of being persecuted. And here's what I began to say. David and I was talking in the office one day. And and we use that word rather flippantly, don't we? We talk about being persecuted. And I can't believe what she's saying about me. I can't believe, did you see what they said on Facebook? Did you see this and that? Can I submit to you that that pales in comparison, my friend, to what true persecution looks like? That you have to give up your life for his. It's a diminishing, if you will. John the Baptist said it this way. I must what? Decrease that he may increase in me. That, my friend, is what God has called us to do. To lay down your life. I mean, look at Scripture. You'll see that there were times where even people said, Hey, let me go back home, Jesus. I want to follow you. But let me go back home and first check on my father. Let me check on my earthly dad. You know what he said? Let the dead bury their dead. I mean, these are strong words. The Bible says that when Jesus came, he would put separation between father and son. And, and when we read that, we, we say, Well, what's Jesus' really his big MO here? Is he trying to separate families? No, he's not. But he's saying unequivocally and unapologetically that when I come, watch this, and you begin to follow me and my precepts found in the Word of God, it's going to draw lines in the sand. It's going to be that proverbial line in the sand whereby when you walk past that line, it's as if you're stepping off a cliff. No turning back now. Why? Because when I follow Christ, hear me, Mom and Dad, hear me loud and clear. Young person, hear me. When I follow Christ then I'm saying no to the world. I'm saying no to relationships. I'm saying no to everything. Why? Because the Bible puts it this way, that we're to seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And then watch this. All these other things we desire, what we eat, where we shall sleep, what we shall wear, and even our life will be added unto us. Don't we have it in the reverse? We are planners. How many of you in here are planners? How many of you are OCD planners? Come on, wave your hand at me. Then check it out. You're trying to lay your life out. You're trying to get a plan. How many of you got a five-year plan? Okay, check it out. We don't even know if we're given tomorrow, and yet we're worrying about things five years down the road because they're not tracking in accordance to our five-year plan. Nothing wrong with being a planner. But I want to tell you something. In the context of Jesus Christ, him crucified, living in and through my life, we need to live a life of spontaneity driven by the Holy Spirit of God in our life. Now, having said that, We spoke last week at the launch of this persecuted series and spoke in Acts chapter 7 about the person of Stephen. Remember Acts chapter 6, the deacons were sought after, men that would go out and serve the tables, the widows and the orphans. The Hellenistic Jews were complaining because no one was taking care of their people. 
And so the apostles looked at it and said, Seek out seven men, honest, full of the Holy Spirit. Bring them out that they may do these things so that we may preach and we may study and we may teach the Word of God. Now, in the context of that, immediately we see persecution beginning and you see the unfolding of the first martyr in the person of Stephen. But what's so profound, and you'll miss this if you're just not a good student of the Word of God. I read through this so many times in Acts chapter 7, around verse 20-something and following, and then in verse 54, you'll see that Stephen, when he was literally being stoned, that he had his eyes, watch this, fixed on, gazed on the person of Jesus Christ in heaven. That when we get into a situation, Stephen, and it doesn't matter what it is, but when we get into a situation, whether we call it persecuted or whether we call it difficulty, if we would just fix our eyes, not on the problem, but the one who has the answer to the problem, all this other stuff will begin to fall to the left and to the right. But here's what I believe to be true. We fixate on what's going on in front of us and try to figure out how we can get through it. When Check it out. Just so happens, sometimes he's the one that's going to meet you in the fire. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But I love the verse that says, everywhere else it says Jesus was seated at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because it's a posture of rest. It's a posture of it's finished. The work has been done. We just simply walk in it. But then we see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father as if to applaud Stephen's life laying down for the glory of God. I say that today as we get into a precursor because of this. I believe with all of my heart when we are suffering for the glory and the sake of the name of Jesus Christ, make no mistake about it, if you're suffering because of something you did back here, you're only lying into the principle of sowing and reaping. But if you're walking with Christ, living a life sanctified unto him, and somebody begins to throw at you just because you're a child of the Most High God, let me tell you something. Great is your reward. God has a plan for you that will set you apart. It's going to blow your mind. And we see that in this verses today. I want you to turn with me, if you will, in Acts chapter 5. We're going to be reading in verse 12 and following. We see at the closing of Ananias and Sapphira's death for not giving over to the apostles in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. That's a message for another time. But I want to bring you a message today entitled, You Can't Keep a Good Man Down. I believe with all of my heart that the world is trying to break you down. The world is trying to tear you apart. The world is trying to, to break. I remember when I got saved. I don't know if this happened to anybody else in here or not. But when I got saved, I had people in this community. It was 19, uh, I think it was 1992, October 29th. And I remember coming back into some of my friendships, and I said, hey, you won't believe this. I got saved. And look at me and says, you're right, I don't. And here's what they said. I give you six months. Holy moly. God help us if that's what we're doing, church. When somebody gives their life over to Jesus Christ, oh, my God, Bill, come behind them, encourage them in the faith, help them to walk along. Don't step over the dead and dying in the, in the streets, man. Go and encourage somebody in the faith and know, watch this, it's hard to be a child of God. I don't know if you know that. If you're a new Christian, I need to tell you, just because you gave your life over to Jesus doesn't mean you're going to have smooth sailing. In fact, I'm going to show you today, you are walking into a hornet's nest of persecution. Look, let's look, if you will, in Acts chapter 5. 12 through 32. Some of you sitting here today thinking about giving your life to the Lord. You go, I'm not getting saved now. I don't want to go in a hornet's nest. Let's read in the New Living Translation. The apostles were performing many miracles and signs and wonders among the people. And the believers were meeting regularly in the temple in the area known as Solomon's Porch or Solomon's Colonnade. But watch this. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had very high regard for them. Yet more and more people, check it out, underline this, 
believed and were brought to the Lord. Can I tell you something? That's the baseline for everything that we do. It's about souls. It's about people coming on board to the kingdom, not just on board with your church or on board with your agenda, but coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets. Watch this. Beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall on some as they went by. Let, let me just give you a little parenthetical here. Just weeks before, Peter was the one who stood in the face of the congregation and the people in the community, and they said, hey, you were with him. I remember you were walking with him. I don't know the man. Oh, no, no, no. You were with him. I saw you that night. I don't know him. And the third time, he literally, the Bible says, cursed Jesus and not knowing him. Yet now, what is it, my friend, that brought him to a place now that, watch this, he was so filled with the Holy Spirit of God that as he walked down the street, people would bring their dead and dying out on the colonnade and lay them out there on a bed, and his shadow would be cast on them and they would get up and walk. I'll tell you the difference. When he saw Jesus resurrected and he saw the filling and the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, it gave him a new lease on life. You and I, my friend, we don't have to go back to that old part. When we come to Christ in him and faith in him, the Holy Spirit indwells us. We have the same power that Peter had to walk past people and they would get up and walk. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Now watch this. And it says, crowds came from villages all around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. The high priest and his officials were the Sadducees. Now remember, the Sadducees, unlike the Pharisees, the Pharisees are the ones that we look at and say, they're self-righteous. They could quote oftentimes the first five books of the Word of God, word for word. They had the nice outfits, the phylacteries. They had all these high different uh, organizations that they would oversee. They oversaw all the money. Everything that the apostles did was a threat to their way of life into their economy. The Sadducees, however, part of the Sanhedrin, they did not believe in a bodily resurrection of the Savior. That was the one big thing, and it is a big thing, that would separate them from being a child of the Most High God. But watch what it said. And it says the high priest and his officials were Sadducees. They were filled with indignation or jealousy. Here's what they did. They responded by arresting the apostles and putting them in a public jail. But the angel of the Lord, aren't you glad of the but gods in the scripture? But the angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them, go to the temple and give people the message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple, and as they were told, and immediately they began teaching. When the high priest and his officials arrived, they convened at the high council, the full assembly of elders in Israel. Then they sent the apostles to be brought from the jail for trial. But when the temple guards went to the jail, the men were gone. So they returned to the council and reported. The jail was securely locked with all the guards standing outside. But when the gates were open, no one was in there. When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priest heard this, they were perplexed, wondering, I love this, where would it all end? Then some people arrived with startling news. Hey, these men that you put in jail, they're standing in the temple teaching the people. The captain went to the temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid the people would stone them. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Then they were brought, the apostles, before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. Quote, we gave you strict orders, again, not to teach in this man's name, parenthetical Jesus. He said, instead, you have filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, quote, I love this, we must obey God rather than men. Let's see that again. 
We must obey God rather than human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a tree or a cross. Then God put him in the place of honor, seated at the right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent for their sins and be forgiven. And watch this. This is you and I. This is our verse. This is the big crescendo of everything we just did. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray you would help me rightly divide your word today with application, with power, and strength. In Jesus' name, and all the God's people said amen. Number one, let me give you a couple of things real quick today. We won't get finished, but I want you to hear this. Persecution is going to come in your life, and you can rest assured it's going to come when God begins to move. Look in verse 12 through 16. It says the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Verse 14, and more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Verse 16, crowds came in from the villages around from Jerusalem at the tail end of that verse, and they all were healed. Can I tell you something today? If you don't want to be persecuted for your faith, then continue to walking, to walk in a life doing nothing for the glory of God. That's your answer. If you don't want to be attacked for your faith, if you don't want to be beaten down by the enemy, if you don't want to be lied to as he speaks those lies into your head, then do nothing for the glory of God. But hear me, my friend, if you want to do something for the glory of God, you need to understand today and hear this as I shout it from the rooftops, you are going to walk into a life that will be attacked from every angle the enemy can throw at you. Are you going through a difficult time today because of your faith? Then here's the good news. Then you're doing something for the glory of God. God sees something great in your life. But Satan sees you as a threat to his kingdom and the prince of the power of the air. Where are you today in that? Are you, or do you feel like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like when I get closer to God, I feel like, man, I'm attacked from every possible angle. My marriage, my children, my finances, my heart, I mean, everything. Is anybody else or is that just me? Don't be judging me. Get your hand up. Then you rest assured that you have probably stepped into a place. Maybe you spoke this. Honey, I just want us to do more for the glory of God. Guess what? You just opened up a potential attack in your life. But can I tell you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. There's no weapon formed against you that shall prosper. Oh, my God, you need to quote this in your home. You need to quote 1 Corinthians 13. You need to quote the words speaking love over your family, love over your life. Mamas and daddies, I know you're looking at me like I'm crazy, but I'm going to tell you something. When you go walk, how many of you got teenagers? Holy moly. Check it out. You need to walk through your house just praising the Lord. You need to be playing. You need to be praying because you got teenagers. You need to be playing Christian music in your home. You need to be, listen, you need to be guarding what comes through that stinking computer in your house. Say, Mark, do you really think that that's, I really think that that is the worst window that your children and mine can go out into a devil's play yard. And if you're not regulating it and you're not guarding it, guess what? You, that wasn't the way it was, Dave, when we were in school. That wasn't the way it was 25 years ago. There was no such thing as a computer. These kids now can get on these stinking mobile devices and see anything the mind can fathom. And while mamas and daddies are sitting there going, that's right, preacher, you tell them. Well, guess what? We're doing it too, men and women. And we got to guard our life. Say, Mark, are you saying the Internet is of Satan? I'm saying this. Satan will use anything in the world as a tool to regulate and to pull you away from being the person you are in Christ. So, Mark, what about you version on my phone? How many of you got a Bible app? How many of you use your Bible? This is your Bible. Wave it at me right here. Okay, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But here's what I know to be true. You will be tempted with the things that are tempting to you. And Satan, after 6,000 years, is an incredible Good judge of character. 
He knows what you stand in need of. He knows what you've spoken. He knows what you're afraid of. He knows what's tempting to you. You men and women that have been addicted to pornography for a long time, you say, Mark, you think women are too? I think they very much are. There's a fantasy world out there. Hear me. There's a fantasy world. When you go into www.bonechigawawa.com, you're getting yourself into a world you need to stay out of. And y'all laughing. Y'all know, how many of y'all have ever went and done an honest search on the computer and you, bam, there it is. Anybody ever done that accidentally? Have you ever done it accidentally at work? Me too. I, I remember I was in LaGrange. I was a youth pastor over there, and I, I'm not even going to tell you all what, what I put in because it, it's really stupid now that I think about it. But I was trying to find, I'll just tell you this, I was trying to find a sporting item for my kids for Christmas. Go figure it out. Anyway, I typed this in, and bam! Oh, my gosh. You know, so I, I walked over to the pastor. I said, let me knock your door. I'm not a, a, a pornographic preacher. I want you to come and look. What I went and told the secretary. And listen, to this day, hear me. My wife has every password to everything on my computer. Some of y'all think, well, you, oh, you don't have trust in your Oh, yeah, I got trust. But I know one thing. Hear me, and I'll be as transparent as I am. This flesh right here, given half a chance, will walk right into the detriments of hell. And you need to guard that. You need to leave it open. There's ladies that work in our office, and every one of them know this. They want to go check my email. All they do is go and take my mouse and move it. My email's wide open right on my computer. So don't y'all send me no hate mail. I'm going to let them get on it, and they're going to send you one back and sign my name. Persecution starts when God is moving. Church, hear me. Hear me loud and clear. When you invite God to have his way in your life, and I'm going to say this, but I'm going to qualify it, but I'm going to let it marinate for about three or four seconds. When you invite Christ, hear me, to involve himself in every aspect of your life, you are also welcoming the forces of evil to also infiltrate your home. Let it marinate yet? But God. Let me tell you something. You read in the book of Job, there's a hedge of protection around you and around your home. If you continue to walk with him, as that song says, Satan's just going to walk into boom, He's gonna walk into that hedge. And I love Hosea. Hosea prayed over Gomer, his wife. He said, I don't just want a hedge of protection. I pray you put a hedge of thorns around her. Hey, mamas and daddies, you need to pray a hedge of thorns around your kids. Wives, you need to pray it around your husbands. Husband around your wife. That even if we went out and tried to find our way that would bring us down to a place outside of Christ, that the Holy Spirit would prick us back to walking with him. Secondly, we not only see that it starts when God's moving. Secondly, we see that it's stemmed in jealousy and ends in violence. Verse 17 and 18 says, The high priest and his friends were the Sadducees reacted with violent jealousy. I was uh, looking the other day and I go, why is ISIS so mad? Somebody break their Tonka toy when they was a kid. What is it they're so stinking mad about that they're willing to do these barbaric, heinous acts? Tell you why. Because they don't know that name which is above every name. That name under heaven by which men must be saved. The name Jesus, the one that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Confucius can't give you that kind of joy. Buddha, he ate too much. He's dead in any way. And Allah, guess what? It don't even matter because he is a dead false prophet. But the person of Jesus Christ, he's not there. He's not there. He has risen. He was he that was dead and now is alive forevermore. And check it out. The grave, what it couldn't do, he gave, listen, he gave you life that when you die, listen, that's the beginning of life as you know it. 
And the jealousy in this world suggests this. It started, guess what, guys? It started with Abraham's son. God told him, he said, I promise you, there's going to be a child come from you that's going to be the promise, the fulfillment of everything that I've told you. It was in the person of Isaac. But when man puts their heads together and tries to help God be God, they birth Ishmael's. Do you know the church today, and some of you in the sound of my voice, are still walking in the promise of Ishmael? You're walking in a false promise. You're walking in the get it right now promise. Can I tell you something? One of the greatest things that God can do is to not give you more than you can be trusted with today. That is the promise of Ishmael. Hey, God, you made a promise to us. We're just going to help you be God. Can I give you a big wow factor? God doesn't need any help being God. He doesn't need our help. God just wants you to surrender your life over to him. And understand that, guess what, the violence... And the jealousy that's coming again. Hey, when God begins to bless your home, guess what? There are people over on this side of the room that might look at you and go, well, why? He thinks she's so bad. What they think they are. Oh, he's a deacon. Oh, really? I could have been a deacon. Well, guess what? When God begins to, listen, God gives gifts according as he will. God gives blessing according as he will. Hey, let me, let me say it this way. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Holy Spirit just laid this in my heart, so I'm going to say it. I've heard people say this. Well, I'll tell you what, Mark. I'll start tithing as soon as I can afford to. No, you won't. God ain't going to bless you with more to be unfaithful with. If he can't trust you with little, he sure ain't going to give you a lot more. I heard somebody say this one time, coming out of the store. Hey, preacher, and they're holding like a scratch off, like five of them. I had just given that guy some money from the church two weeks before to help pay his light bill. He's walking out with scratch-offs. Oh, is that what you call them? Y'all looking at me kind of crazy. That's what they do. On the Scratch-off, and he looks at and he goes, Preacher, I tell you what, when I win the lottery, I'm going to give it to the church. I went, you a story? No, you won't. No, you won't, because you already, check it out, you're already crossing the line of God's plan. You're playing with God's money, brother. God ain't going to keep, listen, I just want to be a deacon. Well, have you been faithful as a man of God, as a husband of God? Listen, I want to be a teacher. Well, are you first a student? Listen, you can put it all across the gamut. The reality is this, is that you and I, when we walk in the promises and the hope of Christ, you can rest assured people are going to get jealous. Here's a big disclaimer, and they're going to get jealous in the church. You know why? Because it's human nature. Thirdly, persecution, persecution doesn't stop Jesus. Look at verse 19 and 20 with me. But the angel of the Lord came at night and opened the gates of the jail and brought them out. Then he told them, go to the temple and give the people the message of life. None of us want to go through difficult times. None of us want to have our family attacked. None of us wants to be broken up with a boyfriend or girlfriend. None of us want to be left by a spouse. None of us wants to be sitting at a bedside while our loved one is breathing his last breath. None of us want that. But can I tell you something, church? When your marriage falls apart and you recognize that you aren't being the person you should have been and you turn your life and your marriage and your hope back over to a a Christ who loves you, watch this. You invite the Holy Spirit to come in and supernaturally transform your life. You look at the person of Stephen who at the most detrimental time in his life being stoned to death, rocks coming at him, hitting him in the face, He just fixes his eyes on Jesus. A rock comes from the back. He's looking at Jesus. As if to say, boom, boom. He said, so, so, I am a child of the king. There's nothing that can move me because I got my eyes gazed into heaven and I see 
Jesus, the Son of Man, standing at the right hand of the Father. The greatest detriments of your life, Bill, is invoking the Holy Spirit of God to intervene. Why? It's because of this. When you come to the end of yourself and you acknowledge that you can't do it, and then say, Lord, but I invite you to, then you invite the Holy Spirit of God to show you something you've never seen, you've never dreamed of. The Bible says, eyes not seen, nor ears heard, nor is entered in the heart of man what God has planned for those that love him. Persecution doesn't stop Jesus. He opens the gates. There are people in this room today that are walking in generational curses because you believed only a half-truth of Scripture. You've heard that because your dad was an alcoholic and a womanizer, that you're going to be that. You know why? Because it says it'll be, you'll be cursed to the fourth and fifth generation. And you walk in that stinking lie, but you don't read the rest of the verse where it says, but those who love the Lord, they shall be blessed to a thousand generations. You see, cursing and all that, Martin, do you believe that? I do, but here's what I also know. When I come to the end of me and I step over in the person of Jesus Christ and I relinquish self, I die to self, then here's what's going to happen. God is going to intervene in my life and he's going to show me a new me in him. And I'm going to tell you, you can walk above the circumstances of this life. There's a joy unspeakable as we're going to see in the next few weeks. It doesn't matter what comes your way. Have you ever seen somebody smiling in the situation that is just the most detrimental thing in their life? I have. I've gone to funeral homes to pay my respects and the mother or the wife or the husband or son or daughter just got a smile on their face and people walking by go why are they so happy I'll tell you why because like Nehemiah said the joy of the Lord is my strength you can't take away what God has implanted in the heart of one who's right with him it's the peace of God that passes all understanding say Mark how does this pertain to persecution because when people begin to come at us and people begin to, maybe we won't ever be stoned for our faith. Maybe we won't ever be beheaded. I pray to God it'll never come to that. But the Bible is showing us right now that what be, what's being fulfilled across the world has been spoken of by the prophets of age. Listen, it's happening right now in front of us. It's unfolding. We're living in perilous times. People are being beheaded. 100,000 people will die this year because of their faith in Christ Jesus. Persecution doesn't stop Jesus. Persecution also can't stop you don't ever get scared as the band comes to do what God has told you to do let me say that again don't ever be afraid to do what God has called you to do several years ago I had an invitation to go to Nigeria and at the time I did what most of us would do I went straight to the state department website and I began to look up the conditions of Nigeria and it's a country that's intensely persecuted for their faith. And I began to look it up, and I began to look about the embassy and locate it. I mean, I was doing the whole thing. And Stephanie and I were going together, and I'm thinking, man, we are going to stand out like a sore thumb in this country because we're going to the inner middle part of the bush, and we're going like there's no white people anywhere. And I'm going to preach. And I remember having dinner with my parents, and, and, and mom said, oh, my gosh, I'm just terrified that you're going. And, and, and it just it came out before I even thought about it. I said, Mom, I'm more afraid of not doing what God's called me to do than I am going. But then I got up there and preached. I didn't know this until I got home. I got up there and preached, and I'm sitting on this pulpit, and they had built it out of wood, and there is the, the numbers are just thousands of people stand, sitting out there just as far as I can see, and it's just like a blanket of people, and they're just hungry, and they're, I'm speaking, and the guy is interpreting, and, man, I'm just hammering it down, and I'm preaching. I got back home, and I looked, and on the front of the pulpit was a big bullseye right on the front of the pulpit. If I'd have known that, I'd have backed out of that pulpit. 
But here's the thing. Just like with you and I, there's times where God is going to say, step out of that situation and step into a new one. You can't let situations where people, let's just call it what it is. Here's the elephant in the room. If God's called you to do something, young person, in the form of missionary, as a preacher, husband and wife, you're sitting here and God's calling you to teach a class and you're afraid people are going to look at you like, hey, what qualifications do you have? If God has put that in you, Philippians 2.13 said it's God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in me will also complete it. Don't worry about what people are going to say. Can I give you this? They're going to talk anyway. At least if they're talking about you living for Christ, they're talking about something good. Let them talk. Let them talk. But Mark, you didn't see what she said about me on Facebook. Cancel it. Walk away from it. Doing what God has called me to do is greater than anything man can say about me. And let me give you this in in closing because this just shook my world. Persecution can release a supernatural power in your life. We don't like to talk a whole lot about supernatural stuff because we get a little weirded out by that. We're going to call it the Holy Spirit. We're going to call it the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you something? One of the greatest missed blessings in the church today is the person of the Holy Spirit of God. He is the one who came when Jesus said, it's expedient that I go away. That I may send another one in my place. That he would get called a comforter. Why do we need a comforter if we're not going to be expected to get out of our comfort zones? You see, God is calling us to go further, to go deeper, to go uh, uh, harder than we've been before, guys. We live in a moment in time where persecution is defined by what we see on television. We know here in the Bible Belt it goes deeper. We are, we are the most, some of the most miserable people in the world in the Bible Belt. Church folks, today I'm talking corporately. They don't have a smile on their face. They don't have hope. Divorce rate inside the church is equal to that on the outside. The kids in the church and at at private institutions, there's no difference in their problems that they're dealing with. Why is that? There's a reason. Because we're getting beat up from every possible angle in the church, out of the church, in the community. The woman with the issue of blood was a woman who was outcast. And the Bible says she tried everything. Physicians, she spent money. She tried everything she could to get an answer to this issue of blood. She was a free bleeder for 12 years. She was deemed Tomé according to Scripture. She was filthy. She had to announce her dirt every time she walked into a room. We think we got it bad because we don't have it all together. How would you like to announce your failures every time you walked into a group of people. She had to walk into a group and say, Tom A, Tom A, I'm dirty, I'm dirty. Don't rub up against me because the law says if you touch me, you're dirty. If I sit down and you sit in that chair, you're dirty. Husband can't touch because he's dirty. A priest can't touch her because he could lose his priesthood and ultimately be put to death according to Leviticus 15. And yet one day, check it out, in the height of her persecution. In the height of being an outcast, young person, hear me. In the height of being pushed aside from everything that the world could offer her, she sees Jesus walking by. The Bible says she had heard, implying somebody had been talking about him. You know what she said? 
My focus is on this. If I can get to him, if I can just touch the hem of his garments, I'll be made whole. She walked up to him, possibly fell to her knees, and she grabbed the the hem of his garment. And Jesus said, who touched me? When I read this, oh my gosh. The disciples said, oh master, you're weary. There's thousands of people thronging against you. And you say, who touched me? Could have shut him down right there, couldn't it? But he said, oh, no, 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 something's different. The person who just touched me, I felt virtue leave my body. I felt power leave my body. I felt dudamas leave my body, dynamite. And he turned around, he says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. She went from being just some obscure person to being a somebody that touched the master to being a daughter of the most high God. Supernatural power is released in the most intense of persecutions in your life. When was the last time that you moved heaven and earth because of your faith? When was the last time you shook the building because of your faith? When was the last time, watch this, that you moved Jesus because of your faith? There's not a person in this room, I believe this with all of my heart, that wants to walk in the power and the peace and the joy and the hope found in Christ Jesus to walk above the situations, to walk past situations, to walk out of curses, to watch the strongholds fall to the left and the right, to watch the shackles be broken, to watch gates be opened wide. When man has put you in prison, the Holy Spirit can walk in. He can walk right past the guards. He can walk right through the walls. He can open them wide. And though you're in prison, you can be set free. Supernatural power in your life is unleashed when you're at your lowest point if... You will come to him and say, God, I need you. If I could just get to the, the base of your hem, the hem of your garment, I'll be made whole. What are you in need of today? The Bible says in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. I looked that word up in the Greek. The Greek word is martus. That's where we get the word martyr. You are called to be a martyr for Christ. You say, Martin, does that mean i got to go over to Pakistan or i got to go be beheaded for my faith or stone? No, no, no. It's about dying daily to yourself. He said, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, that you present your bodies a what? Say it with me. A living sacrifice. Say it again. A living sacrifice. Say it one more time. A living sacrifice. He's not asking you to die for your faith. He's asking you to live for it. He died for you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to just search your own heart today. Don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about your, what you came in here with. Just search your own heart and ask, answer this one question. Do you know that you know that you know that you know? Not I hope so. Not I think so. Not I've been baptized. Not I'm a pretty good gal or a pretty good guy. If you died right here, right now, do you know that you have heaven for a home? Jesus Christ is your Savior. Mark, I'm saved and I know it. Lift your hand right now. If you know that, nobody's looking, lift it up. Some hands, many hands have not gone up. Listen to me very carefully. You can put your hands down. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for, my friend? You came today maybe because somebody invited you. You came today because maybe you, you, you didn't have anything better to do. You came maybe just to stop mom or dad or husband or wife from giving you a tough time about going to church. You said, hey, I'll try out the new, new church in town. That's cool. Let me tell you why you really came. You came because the Holy Spirit of God drew you to this place. If you don't know 
Jesus as the Savior of your soul, the Redeemer of your life. Romans 3.23 says, We've all fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin is death in Romans 6.23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And whosoever in Romans 10.13 shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What are you waiting on? Will you do that right here and right now? Pray from your heart to God right now. Say, Dear God in heaven, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I have failed you, that I'm undone, that my spirit lies bankrupt. But today, I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all of my sin, to wash me clean, to give me a new beginning. Jesus, will you save me and be the Lord of my life? And help me to live for you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you pray that prayer today in faith, the Bible says you've been born again. You're in the Father's hand never to be plucked out again. By a showing of hands. Don't be ashamed of the Father. He was not ashamed of you. No one's looking at me. If you prayed and asked Jesus in your heart right now, lift your hand up. Lift it up high. God bless you and you and you and you, sir. God bless you, ma'am, and you. God bless you, little one. Anybody else? I'm looking around. God bless you, sir, and you, ma'am. God bless you, little one in the back. If you raised your hand, and only if you raised your hand, I want you to look at me. I want you to look at me if you raise your hand. Look at me. It's the greatest thing you've ever done. Hear me. Because of God's long suffering, he saw fit to give you another opportunity, and you took it. Brother Ben is standing down here. I'm going to ask a few other people to come stand on the left and right. Rusty, Trish, our counselors are waiting on you. Hear me. I'm going to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to take a step, not a stand, a step of faith. If you won't take that step in here, you'll never walk for him out there. But right here, we're going to celebrate that step that you take. So without hesitation, if it's a young person, mom and daddy, come with them. Don't you hold them back. The Bible says, suffer not the young children to come unto me. In fact, you come as a child. If you ask Jesus in your heart today, come right now. They're just going to pray with you. That's all they're going to do. Come right now. Don't think about it. Don't hesitate. People are coming now. Come right now. Come on now, y'all give him a big hand. Come on, encourage him. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you, ma'am. Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethompson.com.